When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here we go on the Orange and Brown Side podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams. And we're all sort of in a panic, if you don't mind, because we're getting uh, our preview section ready on Cleveland.com. And part of that is doing a schedule or a record prediction for the Browns, which is never an easy thing to do. A few years ago, I picked they'd go 10 and 6. They went 6 and 10. Last year, I said 8 and 8. They went 11 and 5. So I'm not very good at this. I'm just going to admit that. Um, maybe a few others of us on this pod might admit that, but we're going to try and figure out what we're all going to predict and why. So Ellis, I asked before we went on, who was the most confident, who was ready to go first, you volunteered. So you are up. What are you going to predict and why? Well, I know I'm getting this exactly right. So let's, let's walk through this slowly. Um, expectations are high in Cleveland for good reason, right? So with that being said, I think they win in week one, they bounce back and beat the chiefs, which then kicks off a four game winning streak, which includes them beating the Minnesota Vikings in week four, in Minnesota. I don't have them losing their first game until week five, when they head to Los Angeles against the chargers. And then they actually lose back to back games. Cause I think they'll have issues with Kyler Murray in week seven, but that'll help lay a foundation for this new look defense preparing for Lamar Jackson as they struggle against Kyler Murray right away. Uh, then those rip off three wins in a row. That's hosting Denver, hosting, hosting Pittsburgh, and at Cincinnati, a loss to the Patriots, beating the Lions, a loss to the Ravens. Then you're already at the week 13 bye. They come back and beat the Ravens, which I think and we can talk about that a little bit, just how odd that Ravens by Ravens lineup is. I have them beating the Raiders, a avenge game from last year at home, a loss to the Packers. In Lambeau, only because it'll be cold, it'll be Christmas. That just feels like a, a perfect Packer game coming from a, a Minnesota kid. Uh, they'll beat Pittsburgh in week 17 and beat the Bengals in week 18, which puts them at a 12-5 and record, which is just strange to say. We're all going to have to get used to figuring <laughs> out how that 17, 17 game sounds. No more 8-8s. Eight and eights. Uh, and then I, I wrote that I have them reaching the AFC Championship. And the you know, predicting how the playoffs go is, is going to be impossible right now. But I think the important takeaways there are from this 12 and five record, beating the Chiefs to start the year, that'll have everyone talking Super Bowl, you know, probably locally and nationally, as hyped as that game is, starting with a four game win streak. And then you have, I have them sweeping the Steelers, sweeping the Bengals, and splitting against the Ravens. And all of that to say that when I was going through this exercise, you realize how challenging the AFC is because if they do finish 12 and five, let's say they win the AFC North, their reward at the end of the day is going to be an, either another matchup with the Ravens or likely the bills, chargers, Colts, dolphins, or Titans. And then the chiefs of course linger somewhere. If we assume they're going to get the number one pick point being the AFC is a, an incredibly difficult conference. These quarterbacks are young 
these coaches are talented and they're educators. You know, there's no NFC least for them to beat up on if they make the playoffs. There's no aging quarterback that can only dunk it down short like there was a year ago with Big Ben or even in the NFC with Drew Brees a year ago. There's no easy out. It is going to be a war of attrition for this Browns team from start to finish. And aside from the record and where I think they're going to finish, that's that's what was my biggest takeaway from going through this breakdown. This, this is just a, a incredibly difficult conference and you can see why Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski are, are really so calm day to day because they understand uh, the war that is ahead. So Ellis, do you, do you have them winning the North? I do. I do have them winning the North very, very uh, narrowly uh, that splitting with the Ravens and then sweeping Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. I think I had the Ravens winning 11 games if I'm remembering that correctly. Okay. They win in week one. It's not going to kick off a four-game win streak. It's going to kick off a parade in downtown <laughs> Cleveland because the Browns have won once in week one since 99, since they came back. Just once. Uh, that would be that would be something, especially to do it on the road in KC. Did they did they tie? Uh... They tied the Steelers a few okay. years ago. But, yeah, as far as a win goes, they've done it once. I mean, Mary Kay, I've been trying to talk myself into the Browns winning in Kansas City – probably since the schedule came out and I do like, it's not, I don't want to say it's not hard to do, but I mean, I see, I see how they can go there and win on paper. I see how Kevin Stefanski could just have this team. Just uh, maybe he's been talking about it since May, who knows? And he's just got this team ready to go. I mean, I I see a lot of factors how they could go in and win that game. Andy Reid is amazing off bye weeks and in week one. So there's sort of a lot of, I mean, really, it's just two good teams butting heads on national TV. I, uh, but, it, like, it wouldn't shock me or stop me in my tracks if they won that game. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, I haven't decided yet who, will, who I will pick to win that opener. Um, but uh, because it could go either way. There's no question about it. The Browns now have the defense uh, that can solve a little bit of this Kansas City puzzle. Uh, they, they can keep pace with them. These guys are going to have a lot of new offensive linemen. Uh, the Chiefs are, and, and the Browns are going to have a really, really good uh, defensive front that's going to be able to get a lot of pressure. Uh, by the same token, the Chiefs are going to have new wrinkles for the Cleveland Browns that they haven't even thought of. They were practicing four tight ends the other day. Okay, So they're going to have some things uh, to try to combat what the Browns are going to do well. The other thing uh, to think about is the fact that uh, Steve Spagnolo has had an opportunity to study Baker Mayfield and his game for uh, for this whole entire offseason. And now they have some really, really good film on Baker. Of course, Odell Beckham Jr. is coming back. Uh, that's going to be a huge factor. Uh, so there, there's so many different things uh, that you can look at either way. Uh, but there's part of me that thinks that those Kansas City Chiefs are going to be really highly motivated uh, because they hate what happened to them. Uh, they hate how they played in the Super Bowl. And they're going to want to come come out at home and and start out like gangbusters. They're not going to want to let those Cleveland Browns come in there. The other thing is Patrick Mahomes was not healthy in that game, even before the Mac Wilson hit. His foot was really bothering him. He couldn't move. I mean, he had Uh, surgery. And he had surgery. So Patrick's healthy now. And um, even, even when you have the best pressure and the best defensive line in the NFL, Patrick can do, can do some things. And I think they found out in the Super Bowl that, uh, that they have to be able to beat that kind of pressure and they have to be able to protect him. 
which again is one of the reasons why I think they're trying a lot of tight ends and some different things. So it can go either way. It could absolutely go either way. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know which, who's going to win that game yet. It might actually be better for the Browns to lose the opener and then come back and beat them in the AFC championship game. Uh, so yeah, lot, lots of different ways this could go. Okay. So Ellis has them 12 and five uh, and winning the division. And you said losing in the AFC title game. I have reaching, but if I had to pick, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm riding these chiefs. Okay. Uh, and you played the whole schedule game. Now I feel like a, now I feel like a slacker. Over here. I had it. By, by the way, a little hack, and I'm stealing this from, I want to say I heard it on pardon my take, but a little hack for this 17 games is if you're an NCAA basketball fan, it's just the brackets. So five plays a 12. That's all you have to do. One oh, plays a 16. You'll get it. You'll figure it out. <laughs> Thank you, works. Dan. <laughs> that is a life hack. Nah, nah, I, don't, I shouldn't actually get credit for that. Like I said, I think I stole it from, from the part of my take, guys. But that's, that's one way to look at it. Okay, who wants to go next? Who's feeling really confident in, in their prediction here? I mean, I, I can go next. I'm not going right. to say that I'm feeling confident. Um, before I tell you my prediction, I need to explain something. So, Okay. And, and I really base this a lot on, on data and analytics and all that kind of stuff. I did. I, at first, I started doing this, the, the uh, schedule game, uh, and I just got tired of it like a few games in. So kudos to, to Ellis for, for sticking it out. Uh, but I stopped and just decided not to do that. The Browns are supposed to regress this season. Like, they outperformed what they were expected to do last season. Uh, if you're into the Pythagorean expectation, I'm not going to explain the whole thing here, but it's basically – predicting your record based on your point differential. There's a formula involved, which is way too much math to get into. But using that, the Browns were closer to an 8-8 eight eight team last season. Uh, so they were one of the teams that outperformed the most. The Chiefs also outperformed what they were supposed to do, but uh, the difference between 14 and 2 and what they were supposed to be, they're still a good team. The Browns, though, were more like an 8-8 eight eight team. They were the only playoff team with a negative point differential. And before you say, what about the Ravens game? And what about the Steelers game? Take those two out. And their average uh, margin of victory was less than seven points. They were seven and two in games decided by a touchdown. And it's not realistic to think that that kind of success rate is going to continue. Teams that outperform themselves one season tend to fall back uh, uh, to more of a median the next year. In 2019, the five teams that outperformed themselves the most, they all had at least two fewer wins the next season in 2020. So that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is all this stuff the Browns have done in this offseason um, that has obviously improved, at least on paper, what they were on defense. So I came out at 10 and 7 for this season. It's still uh, a step back, at least as far as a win total goes. I still have them making the playoffs. I didn't specify how far they go uh, in the playoffs. But I think a 10 and 7 team that makes the playoffs is still a successful season for this team. Um, the PFF did a, a simulation, had them at about 10.2 wins, which is roughly what, what I had. They were basically the best team in the North. They had the best Super Bowl odds in the North, which is great if you're a Browns fan. And the only teams ahead of them in the AFC were the Chiefs and the Bills, which I think – most people do in predictions this year. That's probably how they're going to slot, slot teams and 
maybe the Ravens throw a wrench in there. But I got them at 10 and 7 because I think they're going to be – there's going to be a regression there as far as winning all those close games, but they're still a good enough team to get double-digit wins and get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So the, the regression – the regression point is interesting. And, and Mary Kay, I think one of the things that stands out to me is, you know, Scott mentions that that's, you know, a very analytics way to look at things. And the Browns are that sort of front office. And it sure felt like with Andrew Barry, he looked at this team and said, yeah, we won 11 and five last year, but we're not going to approach it. Like we won 11 and five. He, he did go out and aggressively remake. They're running it back on offense for the most part, but he did go out and aggressively remake that defense. Yes, and I, I agree with so many things that, that Scott said, and I've been thinking about a lot of these things uh, for a while, because in addition to some of the analytics and the numbers that, that Scott used, there are, there are other things that come to my mind. I've, I've looked at the numbers, the, the strength of the defenses they faced down the stretch, and they didn't play very many good defenses down the stretch. They played some of the worst defenses in the NFL. In terms of their run, the run defenses that they played against, Uh, I believe they played against, I think it was like 28, 29, 30, 31, and 32 uh, ranked run defenses. Uh, In addition, they needed needed to beat the Steelers' B team to get into the playoffs. You know, I often wonder what would have happened if, if Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and all those guys would have played Uh, the full game in in that last game. I mean, the Browns are on the outside looking in. So, and actually, I think these are some of the ways that Kevin Stefanski is trying to, you know, bring his players, you know, back down, you know, knock them down a little bit so that they don't think that they've achieved anything. He also talks a lot about the fact that they finished third in the AFC North. But having said all that, they did go out and drastically improve their defense. Drastically to the point where eight or nine new starters on defense. And I think the difference is going to be the takeaways on that defense. I mean, also when I look at last year, you know, I mean, Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, was grounded in Cleveland because of a weather game. There there were just a lot of things uh, that kind of went their way a little bit, but, um, but they are so much better defensively. And I really think that they're going to win the takeaway game quite often. And when you do that, you're going to win a lot of football games. They tailed off in takeaways in the second half of last season. They started out really strong. And then because of Miles getting sick and a number of other reasons, they stopped taking the ball away. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think they're going to get a bunch of takeaways. I think guys that didn't even used to get takeaways are going to get takeaways this year because of the pressure that they're going to get up front and because of you know, quarterbacks being menaced into mistakes. I think you're going to see, you know, Denzel Ward, John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison, all those guys. I think they're going to get picks. I think they're going to force fumbles. So therefore I'm probably a little bit more optimistic about the win total than I would have been if I just talked myself into some of those things that happen in terms of point differential, having to beat the Steeler, you know, Steelers B team and playing some bad defenses down the stretch. Yeah, you can talk yourself into regression real quickly when when you consider everything Scott laid out, the points Mary Kay made. And to build on top of that Deshaun Watson point, Mary Kay, you know, the Browns have wins last year against Dwayne Haskins, Colt McCoy. And and did Garden Minshew start that game in Jacksonville? No, it was uh, Mike Glennon. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
there you go. So Glennon McCoy, which is, which is worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Help me out there, Dan. Thank you. And that's not to say, you know, that because they beat three bad quarterbacks, they, they should lose against better quarterbacks this year, because then you have to take in mind exactly how Scott ended this point, all of the, the change and, and turnover on that defense, you know, the potential, what are we at? Like seven, eight new starters at, at, at this point. And, guys who like Grant Delpit who were already on the team and have plans of coming back. Kevin's fancy didn't enter this year acting as if they arrived. It was his first message whenever we heard him, whether that was in minicamp in June or around the draft that, uh, you know, last year's over. We, we still have a lot to prove. We, we haven't won anything. And that, that set a tone that then makes you kick regression out of your mind, because then you take into account all the oddities that were last year uh, the COVID season, getting blown out by Baltimore in Baltimore and in Pittsburgh, losing Odell Beckham Jr. This team not really finding their true groove until the bye week. And then they're able to go into Pittsburgh in the wild card game and, and storm through them and, and play Kansas City so close there at the end. It, it really was a tale of two different, completely different teams, which then takes, in my opinion, I have no data to back this up, but then makes taking that the, the regression data and making it just difficult to dissect over their 16 game schedule a year ago so I, I hear all that but because of how odd it was a year ago and because of the consistent improvements I, I have seen on offense specifically just in the preseason alone whether it was the twos or those two series with Baker Mayfield I see this offense already evolving and Baker Mayfield being, being able to handle a whole lot more and then we already talked about all the new athletes on defense and say what you want about the time it will take for that defense to gel for the most part, the team with the best athletes went on defense. And Mary Kay's right. This team is going to cause havoc up front, which then will likely to lead to more turnovers. Scott, did you have an idea of how far they were going to go in the playoffs? I didn't think that far ahead. I think <laughs> making the playoffs is the goal. And, you know, whatever happens after that happens. I think, like I said, I think making the playoffs is a success for this team. It should be a success for any team. Uh, if you're making – expectations that, you know, they got to get to the championship game or they have to get to the Super Bowl. It's, um, I don't know, it's just so hard when you get to that point because crazy things happen. You know, Ben Roethlisberger can <laughs> have balls snapped over his head and, and throw at four interceptions and you just don't know. So, uh, yeah, I just, they're a playoff team. That's my, that's my uh, prediction. All right, Mary Kay, what do you have? Well, I'm more in line with Ellis right now for some of the reasons that I laid out. When I look over and just kind of do a, a cursory schedule game, uh, I think they can beat anybody. I, it just comes down to what happens on any given weekend. There's not a team on there that you think that there's just no way uh, that they can beat that team. Uh, they do. They are playing better quarterbacks this year, I think, than they played last year. I mean, regular season to be playing Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, as well as, um, you know, the regular Lamar Jackson's Joe Burrow will be back, uh, presumably for both games. And um, yeah, so you, you know, I, I do think that in some ways it'll be harder, even though from a projected win total standpoint, I've seen sites that have the Browns with the third easiest schedule. You guys seeing that? Yeah, Warren, Warren Sharp has them with the third yeah, easiest yeah. schedule. And he factors in a lot of travel. 
And the Browns actually did get a lot of really nice like travel and rest breaks. They, right. they don't really have a lot of challenges in that regard. Right. So even though uh, that seems kind of a, a reach to me that they have the third easiest schedule when you have to play Lamar twice, I think Ben Roethlisberger has an opportunity to be better this year, right? He was in his first year coming off of elbow surgery. So I, I think there's a chance he's going to be better this year if the elbow holds up on him. And they've got a running game now. And they didn't rely on the running game last year at all. So they, they're getting some defensive guys back. I don't, I don't think the Steelers are going to be the pushover that everybody thinks they're going to be. I don't think you're just going to walk into Heinz Field and do what you did the last in, the, in that wild card game to the Steelers this year. So I, I think the schedule is actually pretty robust, even though it doesn't, it might not seem like it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm going, I think I'm going 12 and five. And, you know, the, the Ravens already seem like they're starting to have a few issues with Lamar being out on COVID-19 throughout a large chunk of camp, J.K. Dobbins. I don't know. I, I just feel like maybe the Browns can, can win the AFC North. So I think I'm going to pick them to do that, to go 12 and 5, and then to lose to Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. I think it comes down to quarterback when you get to that point. And I still think at this moment that Patrick is better. Now, I think the Browns overall probably have a better roster, 53 deep. But I still think that Patrick is the superior quarterback at this moment. And when you get to that point in the playoffs, I think it, it comes down to that largely. Yeah, Mary-Kay did a great job there breaking down what is the remaining mysteries of the AFC North. And she even brought up the, some worries in Baltimore. That they have some really, they're having some real issues at wide receiver right now. Uh, Miles Boykin sounds like he's headed to IR. Rashad Bateman, their rookie, could be headed there as well. I, I wanted to spend a little time on the Steelers and Bengals because that is honestly what going through the schedule was most difficult for me. What are these Steelers and Big Ben, and where are the Bengals headed? If the Steelers are headed more the direction that Dan Lobby has been on the record of saying, then that, of course, bodes well for the, the Browns. If the Bengals are headed more towards the direction that I've been on the record of saying, firing their head coach, being a, a, a team that still struggles to find its identity, a shaky Joe Burrow, then again, that bodes well for the Browns. But if Dan and I are wrong about both those, and Mary Kay's right about you know, you're not just going to go into Heinz Field and beat up on the Steelers. And this Bengals team actually takes steps towards the vision that they originally had with Zach Taylor. Then this becomes a much more difficult schedule than I think Warren Sharp and some others are suggesting. I, I mean, I, to me, the, the matchup in the AFC Championship game, if it's the Browns and Chiefs, it isn't so much Baker and Patrick Mahomes. It's Patrick Mahomes versus his defense because that's where the Browns will make up their ground do they have the people will they have the people on the field at that point in the year to deal with him and will they have the guys who can get outside quickly to deal with their receivers will Denzel Ward be able to cover, cover Travis Kelsey in the slot stuff like that um, I think that's where where the big uh, difference comes and that week one game in the big scheme of things probably doesn't mean so much it's where this team is when they get to the playoffs and are they, a, you know, have they become better? Are they healthy? Has JOK become a, an impact player 
in the middle of the field, stuff like that. I think that's what's going to be the difference in, in a game like that in the, in a, with a you know with the Super Bowl on the line. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, the Chiefs, a Chiefs Browns matchup is so intriguing because of. I mean, it's because of Patrick Mahomes, right? Because he's the guy that fixes everything. Like when we go through position by position, I, I bet you we'd find more positions where the Browns are better. Oh yeah, I agree. Right, like running back you know, probably in the defensive backfield, if everybody's healthy, uh, offensive line, you know, you start going through position by position, you're going to say, okay, the Browns are better on paper here, but it's just Patrick Mahomes with Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. That's just the ultimate, like you like to call it, Ellis. It's like the fixer. Yep. It just, it changes. It just changes the game for a team to have a guy like that who can create, who also has weapons like he has. Yeah, and I'm glad we're talking about this Chiefs-Browns matchup in a championship lens because it's that reason of unpredictability, urgency, fixing, which is why I worry much more about that championship game than I do week one. I think the Browns are in a spot in week one to come out the healthiest they are. Of course, we're going to see Jadavion. We're going to see Miles Garrett. We're going to see the interior of Malik Jackson and Andrew Billings. Grant Delpit might be the only guy not – available but this is going to be you know you're going to have a fully healthy Browns offensive line you're going to have two healthy running backs the injuries aren't going to be a concern in week one which then I allows you to have a superior roster and then Kevin Stefanski pulling out you know screens and tight end wheels and he's going to have little gadgets here or there maybe something for Odell that can just catch the Chiefs off guard uh, so I think the Browns are just in a slightly better position to come out victorious in week one, perhaps a team with more to prove. But then as we gear towards the playoffs, I'm glad you mentioned JOK, Scott. His development throughout the year is going to be pivotal. If he's a, a major player on this defense come November and in the playoffs, then, then those are the type of questions that answer and favor the Browns, despite us not knowing the answers to them yet. But get, getting back to the uh, the twelve and five prediction, I think in, yours was the same, Ellis, right? 12, yep. 12 and five. That yep. is by yep. far the most common prediction I've seen for the Browns. Uh, you know, among the people who are putting those out now, um, I think Monday Morning Quarterback did that, and also just some sites that do simulations of the entire season. Twelve and five is, is really popular, and I think you guys are not going to be alone in in predicting that for sure. Well, one of the one of the uh, one of the reasons why I think. Uh, I have the Browns winning the AFC North over the Ravens is that little stretch there where the Ravens have the Browns then go into Pittsburgh and come back and play the Browns again. Yeah, That's a nasty little three weeks to have to deal with there. Their schedule and the Steelers schedule is so much harder than the Browns. The Browns are lucky that they went third in the AFC North last year to come out with uh, a much easier, easier schedule than those two teams have. And I think that's going to be a factor in the end, although the added game for them, the Cardinals, I don't think is going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but that little three weeks there where the Browns play the Ravens and then they have a bye week in between to gear back up for them again, while the Ravens have to go into Pittsburgh in that little Cleveland sandwich that they have going on there. I, I think that it's going to be make or break time for the AFC North in those three weeks right there. Well, and, and here's how the Ravens finish their season. So they have, um, 
I won't go all the way back, but they do play the Vikings in early November. But after they play the Dolphins and the Bears, they play the Browns. They play that stretch where they play the Browns, the Steelers, the Browns. Then they host the Packers. They get the Bengals on the 26th, but then they finish with the Rams and the Steelers. And like I said, even though I'm not real into the Steelers this year, that's still going to be a seven to nine win team. And Steelers Ravens is just, that's a tough physical football game. So, I mean, that's, that's a really difficult finishing stretch for, uh, for the Ravens in that. So I, I, I've got the Browns winning the North too. Uh, I'm somewhere in the range of 12 and five or 13 and four, uh, but I think I'm probably going to end up doing the cliche 12 and five. I've got to be honest with you. I think this team is going to win the AFC. I think they're going to win the AFC. I, I kind of feel like they lose to the Rams in the Super Bowl. But I, I just, Ellis, you mentioned the screen game, right? And it just sticks with me, that Kansas City game. The Browns had a clear plan in that game. Nick Chubb dropped probably what would have been a 25 or 30-yard play. Rashard Higgins gets hit in the helmet and fumbles an inch away from what would have been a touchdown. That was such a close game, and I thought the Chiefs were going to roll in that game. And it ended up being such a close game, and the Browns lost that opportunity, not taking advantage of Patrick Mahomes getting hurt. And they could have gone to the Super Bowl last year. So I really believe this team is good enough to get to L.A. in February. And so I'm just going to say they will. I think they'll go 12-5. and I think they'll win the North. And I think they'll figure out a way to beat Kansas City along the way. Now, we haven't talked about Buffalo at all. I think Buffalo is going to be really good this year. There might be some regression there, but I think they're going to be really good again this year. And I do think Baltimore is going to be really good this year. But I I think the Browns, I think we – and, and we all have, I think they belong in that discussion of teams that can make it to the Super Bowl. So what the heck? I might just make that jump. You know, I mean, you make some really great points, Dan. But when I look back at that Kansas City Chiefs playoff game, you know, taking Patrick off the field for the last 22 minutes of the game and having him really struggle to move in the first part of the game when he was on the field, I just think it's a different ball game if you get uh, a full dose of of Patrick. I don't think it's close. And I mean, I, I think that's all changed this year now because of the defense, but I don't know. I, I just, I don't put much stock in, in how close they came. They only scored 17 points. I thought the Kansas city chiefs defense did a really nice job of shutting down the best players. Some of the best players on the Browns offense. That's probably not going to happen this year because Odell will be playing, but they really took Jarvis kind of out of the game. They took Austin Hooper out of the game. Uh, they, they did a, they, they took Nick Chubb to a certain extent out of the game. They minimized the Browns best players. Steve Spagnuolo had a really great defensive game plan. 17 points, not going to cut it against the Kansas city chiefs. So I'm really interested to see what they have for them this year, because it's going to be a better offense, but here's, here's something else to consider very briefly. And that is, it, we count it a tremendous advantage that Baker Mayfield is going into his second year of a system for the first time in his career. And he can build on that and he can just take that to the next level. But there's also a drawback to that. It's also the first time in this, this season we are going to see what defenses figured out are his weaknesses. It's in this scheme. Whereas Josh Allen, everybody knows what Josh Allen can and can't do in that scheme, right? So when they come into this year, you know what they're going to try to take away from him and what he has to do better. Same thing with Lamar Jackson. He's been in it long enough. 
defenses have the book. But this is going to be the first year. And I, I felt like, and I asked Kevin Stefanski this the other day, I felt like I got the smallest little glimpse of it. And I've been wondering about this for a long time. Like, I always wonder, why don't teams, you know, menace more on those bootlegs? Why don't they get a guy in your face on, on the bootleg more and just get your hands up and try to bat down passes and screw up the, the bootleg? And Scott, you know the answer to this. He, he was third in the NFL with 80 bootlegs. I saw that on the broadcast the other day. Most of those went to the left side. Right. I don't know how many of those went to the left side. I'm sure that data is out there somewhere. But if he's bootlegging left all the time, the te then teams are going to try to take that away. So it's going to be imperative this this season to try for him to try to figure out how to beat what defenses are going to do to him. And nobody knows that yet. Nobody knows what they have in store, what they what they identified on film as potential weaknesses. And maybe they aren't that big of a deal and maybe he'll be able to beat them, but it's something to consider. Yeah. And, and we'll go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, yeah, you're, you're right. And, and teams started to figure that out last year too. Uh, they were, uh, I think the Colts game was one of the first games where Baker was rolling out and there was suddenly somebody uh, there waiting for him. And, uh, but that touchdown pass uh, against the Falcons was a good example of how to overcome that. You know, he threw that over, uh, I don't know if it was a blitzer or if it was the edge rusher who just stayed home, but he got it over him to Kadel Hodge. And sometimes you just got to be like the three point shooter shooting with somebody in your face. You know, there's the defense is going to stay home more often than not because they know that's a big part of the Browns offense. And yeah, that's, that's the next step that, you know, one of the next steps that Baker can take. Yeah. And, and while Kevin Stefanski has this staff, which we've, we've talked about the, the Alex Van Peltz, the Chad O'Shea's, the, the Bill Callahan's, this is a, a unit that is going to be prepared for whatever those counter punches are, whether they're prepared already or adapting quite quickly. This is also a team that can be very diverse in what it does. Mary Kay, you've been all over the fact that we may see more 11 personnel, which I think would be advantageous for this group. Uh, I expect more empty sets, much like we saw in Atlanta, you know, because of that holding call to start the, the series, but Baker Mayfield, you can tell, is comfortable in dissecting and trusting his eyes and what he sees. Teams that run zone defense against this offense learned last year that Baker learned how to pick them apart, and I, I think he only progresses on that this year. That man coverage is, is tough to run across this league. So I think the Browns will have a counterpunch for almost anything these defenses throw at them, largely because they have a better roster, often a superior coaching staff, and Baker Mayfield in year two, we, we can talk in 2022 when perhaps the complimentary pieces aren't as fine and sharp, but, but right now this roster is so stacked that it just might not matter the, the alternatives that the defense throw at him. Right. So Ellis, that was, that was going to be my, my really only counterpoint because really this is on Baker. Yeah. If he takes that step forward, then yeah, that's the ceiling on this team, but he's never going to have a roster this talented again. I, I think it's safe to say that. I mean, next year they will probably still be very talented, but as you go along, you're going to see, you can't always have a Nick Chubb and a Kareem Hunt. You know, you're not going to be able to have, we've talked endlessly Odell and Jarvis. Wyatt Teller might be gone after this year. It sure sounds like he's a guy that's planning on, on not being here a year from now. So, you know, your offensive line starts to take some hits. What are you doing with JC Treader? 
you know, uh, have we seen anything from Nick Harris to tell us that he's going to be able to pick up where JC Treader leaves off if that's the move? I, I don't know. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But there's more questions coming down the road on this roster. And this is the most talented roster Baker's going to have, especially on offense. So that, I, I think this is sort of when we talk about windows, like this is kind of the moment. Like if this group is going to, you know, upset Kansas City and get to the Super Bowl, this kind of has to be it right here. It's not, I'm not saying that, you know, they only get a one year window and they're going to start stinking again. But I'm just saying, like, with this iteration of the roster, I, I think this is kind of that, that opportunity. If we go back to the Freddie year and kind of run it through to this year, that's probably kind of your first real window. And you kind of blew it with the Freddie year. You played really well last year. And, and now you've kind of, now, now's your chance to take that leap. Yep, these one these one year windows are real. The, the Minnesota Vikings with Case Keenum had a chance to play for a Super Bowl inside their own building. They, they had one of the best defenses in the league. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, a similar makeup to this roster, truthfully, and, and just didn't get the job done. You can you see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cashing in on their window one year of Tom Brady, and then saying screw the future cap. We're just going to bring all these guys back have some dead years later on in, in, in some of these Chris Godwin's a guy that definitely won't be back next year. They franchise tag him. So I understand the hesitancy saying, well, you know, if they don't win it this year, they have, it's okay. Everyone's young, but this NFL changes real quick. You wouldn't expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be replaced and Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. And now look a year later, this is where we are. So Dan, I'm in full lockstep agreement with you. This is, this has got to be the year at least the year with them having the best chance, the best probability and the best roster and a collection of coordinators and coaches that are still working under Kevin Savansky. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're going to be good for a long time. Right. I just, I want to make that clear. I think they're going to be good for a long time and they're going to have chances to win Super Bowls. but I think Seattle's an interesting case, right? They won those two. They, well, they should have won two Super Bowls. They won one, they lost another. And then they haven't been back. They've just, they've been a really good team and a model organization. It's just really, really hard to get to and win a Super Bowl. Uh, the Patriots are obviously the greatest outlier of all time. So maybe the Browns become the Patriots, but you know, again, when you have these opportunities, you really got to take advantage of them. Well, there's no question that, and we've talked about this since last season, this, this is their prize pick. This was the offense and defense that they put together to get to the Super Bowl. This, this is it. Like you guys have said, like you said, Dan, the, the roster might not get better than this. This is, this could be the best. It's, Definitely the best roster that I've ever covered in, in all my years of covering uh, the Cleveland Browns. So this is the one. This is the one designed to go all the way. But even being designed to go all the way, of course, that doesn't mean they're going to be able to do it. But if, if ever there was going to be a team that could do it, that I've ever been around, this 2021 edition of the Cleveland Browns is the one uh, built to go the distance. So we just have to see how it goes. Can, can I throw out uh, three individual predictions real quick and just see if you guys react yes. to any of them? <laughs> All right, let's start with Baker Mayfield. Last year I said 25 touchdowns, single-digit interceptions. I think I was fairly accurate with that. This year I'm saying 32 touchdowns, single-digit interceptions again. Miles Garrett, 20 sacks. Ooh. And David Njoku emerges as a top 10 NFL tight end. Have at it. I will bite on the first one. I don't know. If, I don't know if Miles is going to get twenty sacks, but I think he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. So, so maybe he does. All yeah, right. 
And, you know, I just I just need to see it from Njoku before I start throwing around a top 10. But I do think Njoku is set up to have a very nice year. How are we measuring that top 10? It's a good question. I'm worried he won't – well, like, did you see that? See the tight end snap count distributes? I think Cooper had, like, 10 in Atlanta with the first team, and then Njoku only had four. So – Fantasy. Yes, so you think <laughs> top so you ten think fantasy Njoku, Right. That's probably okay. the only way I, I pull this off. You think at the very least the Joker's gonna get more targets and catches than Austin Hooper this year. I think I'm leaning in Mary Kay's lane here and I'm gonna say more touchdowns than Austin okay. Hooper. I feel the same I mean if if Hooper plays like he did in Atlanta, and I know he had that big catch and run, but the two DBs ran into each other. Right. But then he had a drop on fourth down, like He's getting he's, every. He's, he's just. He's got to be better, and and that could open the door for Njoku. What do you think, Mary Kay? Twenty stacks sounds like a lot for Miles because for whatever reason, well, it, it, is a, seems, it is a seventeen game season. I know. Make that. In I there. mean, he should. He should one hundred percent be able to get twenty sacks. There's. There's no question about it. He should absolutely be able to get twenty sacks. There's. There's no question about it. But it just almost seems like there's something weird that derails him every year. Yeah. Maybe this will be the year that that doesn't happen for him helmet incident, COVID, whatever the case may be. Uh, if he can stay healthy, he's certainly capable of 20 sacks and NFL Defensive Player of the Year if he can keep the uh, the takeaways going. And it'll be much harder to double-team him this year because of Jadavian and everybody else that they have on that defensive line now. So it, it's, uh, it's all set up for him to be able to do that. I, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Baker, I don't think it'll be hard for Baker uh, to achieve those numbers that you're talking about. Because um, that's what quarterbacks in this offense do. That's what they do. I mean, and it took him the first half of last season to get it figured out. So he didn't really have the chance to to throw that many touchdown passes last year. And then they had the three weird weather games where he had like none. Um, But that's not going to happen this year either. So I think he'll achieve those numbers pretty easily. I, I think he can get into the single. I think he can stay in the single digit interceptions again this year, even though there's 17 games, he should be able to do that. Um, if not, maybe 10, maybe 11 at the most. Uh, so I think your numbers are good there. Um, and then David Njoku, once again, for in my mind, for him, it's all about targets. I mean, he, it just depends on how many targets you get. If he went and played for a team where he was the number one tight end, Absolutely, I think he's capable of that now, of the eight touchdown catches that I've been talking about. But I always have to qualify that by saying, in order to get those, you have to get the ball thrown to you in those situations. And there's so many places to go with the ball this year. I don't know that there are going to be all that many guys that hit the numbers that they're actually capable of. Because you gotta, you got to get the ball to – you're going to go so many different places. You got to run the ball too. <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to run the ball a lot still. Yeah, so we'll the Joker was a distant third in snaps among the tight ends last season. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think he's going to be uh, at least second. Oh, yeah. Because he was really kind of left on the shelf through the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, that's probably not going to be the case this time. All right, there you have it. Our uh, our predictions podcast for you as we uh, we get these things ready for you for our preview section that's going to be running uh, in print on the Plain Dealer and also of course on Cleveland.com/slash/Browns. You'll see all of our stuff that we're putting together for that preview section as we talked through 
the picks we're going to make. Well, now you guys are getting held to them. Now I want to see these predictions in print. I don't want to see you guys straying from, I don't want to see anybody copying me and saying, well, Dan went bold. I've got to have them beat, beating the Rams now. That, that mm-hmm. train has left the station. Well, Dan, we have no choice since they asked for him by tonight. So <laughs> Yeah, mine is That's already uh, off and away. Yours is done? Okay. Well, mine's not. So yeah, well, mine, that's, that's, mine is filed. So you heard it here first. Well, that's what, I, that's what I'm about to do is go, uh, go write mine up real quick here before practice. All right. For Ellis Scott, Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.